welcome to ChirpCast, encouragement with heart, humor, and a little sarcasm. Today's podcast is meant to encourage you, spoiler alert, to pick up your Bible. I know that might sound really odd because being a Christian podcaster, talking about picking up your Bible seems like it would be a given, but I'm going to be honest with you. This morning I got up and I grabbed my cup of coffee and the house was really quiet. My daughter was still asleep. My husband had already gone off to work earlier in the morning, and so I was thinking I was going to sit down, curl up back in bed, enjoy my cup of coffee, and catch up on a few Hulu episodes of a show I've been watching. Then I had a bit of an argument with myself. I set my cup of coffee down on my nightstand, and I stood there and had this conversation in about a nanosecond. Reaching for the remote, I thought, I really should just pick up my Bible and start today right off the bat with my devotional. And then of course I argued with myself and I knew that it was myself. And I said, but I really want to just enjoy my coffee and sit here and be comfortable and super lazy. And then God said, pick up your Bible. So, I mean, I guess we know who won there. So I'm so glad that I did because I learned something today that I do not remember them teaching us in Sunday school, probably because it brings up more questions than gives answers. So we're going to dive right in here. I've been reading through the book of 1 Samuel, and it seems like it's probably taking me forever, but that's because there's so much to grab onto. There's so much to learn. It's super interesting, and the story just kind of is like the best plot twist around every corner that you can imagine. A couple weeks ago, I talked about Saul, who became king over the Israelites, and Samuel was God's prophet who anointed Saul. This portion uh, in 1 Samuel 28 kind of fast-forwarded from where that was. Saul has been king for a while now, and he doesn't always do what he's supposed to do. He kind of is reckless, and he wants to have things his way, but yet He really likes having Samuel be someone who he can turn to and ask for God's advice through Samuel. And Samuel has done this. Samuel has been helping him. Samuel has been like the best mentor. He's tried and tried and tried, but Saul is super thick-headed. Well, we're now at the point where Samuel has died and the Philistines, who are an opposing group of people, want to come and take the territory that the Israelites are in. And so... These are called the Philistines. So the Philistines are basically waging war against the Israelites. Shocker. They do this all the time. Like these people are constantly having somebody fight over whatever they have. So the Philistines are coming and Saul's kind of freaking out. So he's taken some men and they're sort of hiding out, trying to figure out their their battle plan. What are they going to do? I can see them like drawing with sticks and stones in the dirt, trying to figure out, okay, this one and that hill, and here's where we're going to attack them, or maybe we should just run and hide. You know, he wasn't really sure what to do. And he really was desperate. He was in a desperate situation. I think that we can all agree and affirm that we have been in desperate situations in our lives at one time or another. Situations where we had no control or maybe we did have control and we didn't know what to do with that control. Well, Saul is in a a crazy desperate situation and so he's looking for direction. Pretty much Saul is is praying (laughs) 
um, talking to God, trying to get God to answer him. As I read through the story, something that stands out is that Saul only wants to get out of trouble. He is not one that is going to repent easily. He has disobeyed God on multiple occasions, done things God specifically said, do not do this. And Saul literally turns around and does this. And so Saul is just trying to get out of trouble. He just wants to get out of jail free card. And this is what he's expecting from God. And God is like crickets. So Saul is frustrated. And I want to read to you just a portion of scripture here. 1 Samuel 28, starting in verse 3. And it makes it very clear here right in the beginning. Now Samuel, which is the prophet, is dead. And all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spirits from the land. So basically, all witches, warlocks, you're out. And now the Philistines had assembled and come and set up camp while Saul gathered all of Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, and this is what gets me, find me a woman who is a medium so I may go and inquire of her. Okay, we have all made some really dumb decisions at some point in life when we were in desperate situations. This just speaks volumes to me that it literally, like, what, three, four verses before this says that Saul had cast out, expelled all mediums. He had cast them all out. And now when he is afraid and he's in a desperate situation, he makes a really dumb choice. He asks his men to go find someone who is a medium. Of course, he's the king, so, well, there's one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done. See, she doesn't realize that this is Saul because he's in disguise. You know, he went undercover of night. And he was trying to sneak out. He didn't want anybody to know what he was doing talking to this woman. And so the woman knows the law. And she says, you know what Saul's done. He has cut off the mediums from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? And then Saul does something in verse 10 that is so ridiculous. Saul swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. So he invokes the name of the Lord as a promise to this witch that nothing will happen to her if she does and conjures like he wants her to. So I guess she kind of takes his word for it and she probably figures, well, if he's willing to make that kind of an oath, he must have some kind of power. He must be in politics somewhere. He can pull some strings for me and keep me alive. And so it says, the woman asked, who should I bring up for you? Bring up. Samuel, he said. Okay, so the Bible does not go into description as to how this happened or how it worked, and that's probably because the focus here is not on the occult and trying to, here's how to do this, kind of a, it's not an instruction manual. Clearly something happens because it goes from bring me Samuel and literally Next verse, verse 12, when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? Okay, so obviously 
Saul can't see Samuel. He doesn't know what's going on. He just knows that this woman is freaked out. Maybe this is the first time that her quote unquote power has worked and that she was actually able to call up someone and speak to them from beyond. And it definitely scared her. But he says, well, tell me, don't be afraid. What do you see? And the woman says, I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down, prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams. So I have called on you to tell me what to do. And then Samuel answers him. He's a little bit tongue-in-cheek here. I appreciate his response. Samuel says, why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? Basically, why do you think I'm going to help you? The Lord has left you. He is not talking to you anymore because you have been completely disobedient. You know, he's not going to give his favor to you when you're being fully disobedient. I see that as it comes back to us. We find ourselves sometimes in desperate situations. We make dumb choices. And then we want God's favor to get us out of that situation that we've put ourselves into. You know, there was something else that struck me as I was doing a little bit of research about this. Saul and these two men, when they went to this woman's house, it was a six-mile walk. Now, I don't know about you. I've never walked a full six. Well, I take that back. I have walked six miles when we were in Washington, D.C. I felt like we walked about a thousand miles a day. But six miles is a long time to walk. And it's a long time to be thinking. Saul had six miles to think about this, to change his mind, to turn around and say, you know what? This is wrong. I should not be doing this. But how many of us have taken that six mile walk right into the wrong choice. It's crazy to me how our life parallels other people's lives in the Bible. And this is something that just blows my mind, that he would be desperate into the dumb choice. And then verse 17, the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because, and this is verse 18, because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, The Lord has done this to you today. So basically, because you were disobedient, his favor left you. And now you're in a situation where things are not going well. And it says in verse 19, The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. So his desperation turned into making dumb choices because of his full disobedience, and then came destruction. He knew he was going to pay the ultimate price in verse 19 when Samuel tells Saul, tomorrow you're going to be with me, buddy. You're going to be dead just like I am. It says, immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. Okay, I got to say though, what strikes me here is the fact that he's more afraid of what Samuel says as opposed to the fact that he came from the grave and spoke to him. That is like some serious sci-fi channel paranormal activity going on. But he is more afraid because he knows that Samuel was the prophet of the Lord and that Samuel is speaking only the truth. 
When the woman came to Saul, so apparently she had stepped out of the room. I mean, she probably went like across the street because I can't imagine how afraid she was all this is going on. I mean, just the fact that she screamed whenever she saw Samuel in the beginning. She says she saw that Saul was greatly shaken and she said, look, your servant has obeyed you. I took my life in my hands and I did what you told me to do. Now, please listen to your servant. She's talking about herself. And let me give you some food so you may eat and have the strength to go on your way. And he refused. And he says, I will not eat. But his men joined the woman in urging him and listened to him. And he got up from the ground and sat on the couch. So then the woman butchered a calf. She made some bread. She set it all before Saul and his men. They ate. So in a few hours, they left. It's funny how when people are in desperate situations, they're so focused on themselves. A lot of times we find ourselves in situations where we feel like we're so out of control and we don't know which direction to go in. All we know is to turn inward to us. And that's what she was doing. I mean, that's what Saul was doing. They were kind of all doing that. They were all looking out for number one. When the woman tells him she wants him to eat, it wasn't because she was worried that he was the king and that he was going to like kill her or anything. I think she was honestly afraid that if something happened to him while he was in her house, then she would be killed for sure. I mean, how do you explain a dead king in the middle of the night in your house? Considering the fact that she was a medium and she shouldn't have been practicing at all, she was so worried about herself that she was like, let me cook you some food. (laughs) Let me whip up something here real quick. And I want you just to go ahead and be on your way. Like, I did what you wanted. Now get out of here. Sin brings death. The other side of that is obedience brings life. When we take matters into our own hands and we think that we know best and we can handle it and we can figure it out all on our own, that's when we find ourselves in the biggest trouble. I know, I've been there. I'm going to take a venture and say, if you're listening, you've probably been there at some point in your life. In desperate times, we just need to figure out and remind ourselves that we have to go to the source. Jesus always knows exactly what we need. He knows how to fix the circumstances around us. Psalm 37, 23 through 24 says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. You see, Saul was not living for God. Saul was completely living for himself. He would make decisions that were completely against God, and then he would beg God to get him out of trouble. I'm not going to say that God hasn't stepped in more times than I'd like to count probably and saved me from myself or from circumstances that I've put myself in or people that I know and love dearly. Same story. God has stepped in when we call to him, but the difference between us, I think, and Saul is the way that we cry out. When our heart is being fully honest and open to God, and we really want change, God will step in and he will take care of the situation. But when we only cry out to God, whenever we find ourselves in a tight spot and we're like making a bunch of empty promises, God, I promise I'll go to church every Sunday if you'll just get me out of this situation. God, I promise I'll give money to the church if you'll just get me out of this tight spot. That God is not a vending machine. We can't assume that. We have to follow what he says. I hope that you listening today, hearing about 
Saul in his desperate situations and his desperation for direction. I hope that you would learn from his life, from his story, and know that desperation leads to dumb choices, which leads to disobedience and ultimately leads to destruction. If you were encouraged today or even slightly amused, I would love for you to share. I know that you're listening and I would love to hear from you. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. Maybe you think that I'm a lunatic, I don't know. But I would love to hear from you. So feel free to comment, share, and you can also follow me on Instagram at chirpcastamy. I will catch you next time.